0: Thank you for reading uh, God's word uh, to us this morning. Imelda, please keep your Bibles open to that passage as we uh, go through it. Uh, if you don't know me, my name's Matt, and I'm one of the ministers here. And uh, if you're visiting here, I want to welcome you here this morning. It's great that you've joined us. You've joined us at the perfect time in this series in the book of Philippians because it's the last week. So you get all the benefit of me summing up the, uh, the book Um, So thanks for joining us. Thanks also for joining us online, if you're watching online. We also have the opportunity to ask questions using Slido.com. So uh, if you have any questions about the passage, you can go to Slido.com with the hashtag HBSP, and I will have a look at those questions later on in the service. Now, my parents worked for many years as missionaries in Papua New Guinea, And one of the many jobs they had over there in their time in PNG meant that that they actually employed a number of the local nationals. Now, Papua New Guinean nationals are paid very little in comparison to what we are paid here in Australia. But even the little that they were paid by my parents elevated them in status above many of the other people in their villages. And so this meant that they could afford items beyond the bare necessities. And one of the locals that my parents employed, his name was Ugal. And Ugal lived in a beautiful, beautifully quaint village. Something you could imagine in a storybook. It was in the mountains, it had grass hut roofed. There were uh, flowers and crops around them in their gardens. And after some time of employment, Ugal decided that since he was making money, he wanted a TV. So, he couldn't afford a TV at that time, but that wasn't a problem because he was working, meant that he could get a loan with incredibly high interest rates in order to purchase one. And he purchased a TV. So not only did Ugal have a high-paying, good job, but he also owned a TV. This gave him even greater status in his village. But there was only one problem. His quaint little village did not have electricity. So Ugal went out and purchased a generator. Like you do. And... I can remember a conversation I had with Ugal when I was over there visiting where he told me that quite a lot of his salary went to buying fuel to, to, for the generator so that he could watch TV. He was putting on movie nights in his village for everyone to come and watch. Ugal, Ugal believed that if he owned a TV, he was somebody important. He believed that this TV would bring him contentment when in reality, all the TV did was highlight his discontentment in his circumstances. Now we here today, we hear a story like that and we chuckle a little bit because we think to ourselves, how absurd. How absurd that a TV was used as something to make him content. But what about us? We sit in our nice homes with our massive TVs, working longer and longer hours to pay our bills, striving after that next thing that will surely make us happy. We don't have to look too hard to see our own dissatisfaction our own discontentment in our circumstances. And here in today's passage, as we come to the end of this letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians, he writes how he has learned contentment in every situation. And so I'd like to pray that as we look at this passage, we could imitate Paul and learn how to be content only in Jesus Christ who strengthens us. So let's do that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, be with us today as we look at your word. Help us to trust in you, to rejoice in you, and help us to learn from your word so that we may give you all the glory and praise. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, as we conclude this sermon series, looking at this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, I want to ask you a question. Is it possible to agree with the world around us and still hold true to the teaching found in the Bible? Can we hold on to what this world has to offer and keep our eyes on our future in heaven? Can we have our feet in both camps? See, I believe these are important questions to ask as we conclude this letter. And Paul here helps us with these questions by describing the way in which he views his circumstances that he finds himself in throughout his life. What he explains is that he has learned contentment while he waits for his future in heaven. And so read again with me, starting at verse 10. Paul says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking of being, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And so here Paul begins by explaining that these Philippians were concerned for him in the past. And they continue to be concerned about what is going on for Paul. His imprisonment, his suffering, his well-being. They are concerned about his circumstances, but they haven't been able to show his concern until now. That is, until Paul had received gifts from them through Epaphroditus. And so this letter is actually written to thank the Philippians for their gifts. And so Paul says to them, I thank God for your gifts and I know how concerned you are for me, but you don't need to be. And Paul takes this opportunity where the Philippians are concerned for him to explain what it means to be content. And so in doing so, Paul is actually redefining what contentment looks like for those of us who follow Jesus. And so Paul says In verses 12 and 13, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And so here Paul explains to us the secret of contentment. And it is clearly not found in his circumstances. And this is because Paul has experienced it all. He has been in need and he has had plenty. He has had much and he has had little. And so his challenge for us today is to consider are we finding our contentment in our circumstances? That is, if we are wealthy, is that what we are finding our contentment in? Or would we be content in poverty? If we are poor, what would it mean for us if we had wealth? His whole point is that when you have experienced both, poverty and abundance, and you still find yourself lacking, you come to realize that contentment is entirely independent of circumstances. So then, where should we look for contentment? And verse 13 explains where contentment is found. It says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The secret of contentment is only found in Jesus Christ. And this is something, did you notice, that Paul has learned. And so it's also something that we must learn as we mature in him. And I also don't want you guys to be confused about verses 11 and 12. These are oftentimes used to discuss how finances should be managed by Christians. But Paul is not just talking about financial contentment here. See, our society sees money as the solution to contentment. And this world tells us that it is financial poverty that is holding people back. But for us, who believe in what is in store for us in heaven, a greater concern needs to be the spiritual poverty found in this world. And the solution to it is the gospel. The solution is what Jesus Christ has done for us, and that is what we're going to remember in his birth next Sunday and in his life and in his death and resurrection. Jesus is the solution because he is the one who strengthens us regardless of our circumstances. And verse 13 here, is one of the best-known verses in the Bible, and it's often the one that's pulled out of its context the most. It has become an inspirational thing to say. People say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or I can do everything, especially the extraordinary things through Christ who strengthens me. But Paul is not claiming to be able to do everything because he is in Christ. When he says, I can do all things, the all things is not unlimited. He is not claiming that he can do anything and everything. I've been trying to convince my son Atticus since I've had this prosthetic eye that I now have superpowers. (laughs) And I can see through solid objects. I've been trying to convince him, and I say, look, I can see through glass, and glass is a solid object, so I have superpowers. I can see through solid objects. But to this day, I have not been able to convince him that I have superpowers. Because, just because, he keeps on telling me, just because I can see through one solid object, it doesn't mean that I can see through every. Solid object, and taking this verse out of its context, and and believing that Paul is saying that he can do and we can do anything through Christ is the same as me saying that because I can see through glass that I have a superpower and I can see through all solid objects. And so, it's important for us when we look at this passage to see that Paul is not claiming that he can do everything and therefore expect that we can do everything. And he's not actually even claiming to be able to do the miracles that Jesus himself was able to do. He's not saying that we are to imitate Jesus And expect to do the things that Jesus did. Paul is not saying that he can walk on water. Or heal the sick. Or raise people from the dead. He is not saying that Jesus' miracles are examples for us to do. Because we can do so in his strength. Paul is telling us. He's talking about how he has learned contentment through the one who strengthens him through Jesus Christ. And this is really important to understand because when you pull this verse out of context to explain to people that the reason they can't do all things is because they don't have enough faith, it is a perversion of the gospel. It is not the gospel message before us. And the damage that this can have may be irreversible when someone is lying on their deathbed believing that they will be healed if they and the people around them have enough faith is to completely misuse what Paul is saying here. And it is a disgrace. What Paul is saying is that he has had much, and he can be content. He has had little, and he can be content. In any and every situation, he can be content, because the secret of contentment is finding your strength, not in this world, but in Christ, and in what he has in store for us in heaven. And so Paul's contentment means that whatever his circumstances here and now, whether he's in prison or free, with little or with much, he knows that contentment does not come from his circumstances. It comes from Christ as a result of being found in him. And this is his definition of what it means to be content. See, the world wants us to believe that contentment is based on our circumstances. It describes it as a state of happiness or satisfaction in our circumstances in this world. But here, Paul says, contentment is not a state of happiness and satisfaction because of what we have, but rather a joyful response to knowing Jesus Christ and our future we have in him. Everything comes from him, including our contentment. And it's the way that Paul resolves the fact that everything is counted as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. And if you know Christ, then there is nothing that should affect your contentment. And this is why it is not possible to agree with the world around us and still hold true to what Paul is saying. It's not possible to have our eyes on the here and now and what this world has to offer and trying to find our contentment here and now while also fixing our gaze on our future in heaven. And so, friends, do not try to find your contentment here on earth. It has never and it will never be possible. Towards the end of this letter here, Paul uses this example of generous giving by the Philippian church as a way to teach them what it means to be content. He says, I know to how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And as we read this, we are to realize that contentment comes from a relationship and a reliance on God through Jesus. And so it is possible to be content and even joyful in every circumstance, whether you find yourself in a good or bad financial place, whether relationships are easy or difficult, whether your work is hard or you always seem to fall short of achieving your goals, Paul encourages us that it is possible to be content and even joyful in every circumstance, because contentment is not based on our circumstances, but it comes from God. So as we continue to try and learn the secret of contentment, we will be grateful with what we have. And this will outwork itself by building others up and supporting and caring for them. And this is what has happened with the Philippian church. Look with me at verse 14 to see how contentment enables us to be grateful. Paul says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia... a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Paul is grateful here for the generosity of the church in Philippi, and he thanks God for their generosity. He explains that they have brought him so much joy, but not because of the gift they have given him, but because their giving helps him see their generous character and support of the gospel. It enables him to see the fruit of the gospel at work in their lives. And so he is excited about what their gift indicates about them. It is a clear sign for Paul of where their minds are at. It is a clear sign of how they have matured in their thinking from the first day when they received the gospel until now. It's a clear sign of how they have grown to understand that they must partnership together for the sake of Jesus Christ. And for Paul, who's sitting in a prison, it is what it says about them that brings him more joy than any material gift could ever bring him. And so in Paul here, we have an example of a man who understood what it meant to be content. And in contentment, to be grateful and find joy. This is the case every time he sees the gospel message impact the heart of another person. And so for us, we are to consider where our contentment is found. Is Christ enough for us? Do we hold true to the teaching found here before us today rather than the futile attempts the world has to offer us for happiness and satisfaction? Paul says it is impossible to live our lives in both Camps. We cannot live invested in this world and also in the world to come. It is all or nothing. And if we can learn contentment in Christ, then we can join in proclaiming what is written in verses 19 and 20. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God, be Father, God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so it is my prayer that we might walk together as one, here and now, It is my prayer that as we mature in our faith, we would live our lives as men and women who truly live for Christ and who look forward to the day when we will join him and he will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. And while we wait for that day, we would be able to support each other in proclaiming the gospel in our homes, at our workplaces, as we study, in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, and that we would care for others and their needs over our own, and that we could actually be men and women who consider everything as loss in order to know him more and find our contentment in him alone. And through it all, we can live as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, being content in any circumstance because the Lord is at hand. God is with us. And it is my prayer that you would rejoice with me, believing that our God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and to his gloriousness in Christ Jesus. And together, now, and for eternity, we could rejoice by saying, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. To conclude, I would like to pray for us Paul's prayer found in Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, it's my prayer for this church that their love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that they may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To your glory and praise. Amen. Well, you might like to take a few minutes to consider uh, what this passage has said to you and ask a question using slido.com. I'll be back after the next song to look at some of those questions.